0: Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, hey, welcome to Central. Uh, if I hadn't had the honor of meeting you yet, my name's Tim. I get the joy of serving as lead pastor here. And today we're back in the book of Romans. And uh, Ryder just read for us the text that we're going to be studying today. Uh, if you're new with us, we've been uh, studying our way through this book of, of Romans. It's often referred to as the gospel according to Paul. Uh, in your Bibles, if you're not as familiar with it, there are four gospel accounts uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those gospel accounts document for us uh, the ministry, the miracles, the life of jesus well when we come to romans it's often referred to as the gospel according to paul because it documents for us the ramifications of the life of jesus the theological ramifications and ripple effects of the cross and salvation and how it impacts each and every one of us today so you picked a great day to jump in as we continue looking at uh, what theologians call and what we as followers of jesus should come to understand as this this kind of five dollar word justification Justification. So. Paul paul has been talking about this beginning in romans chapter 3 and he's going to continue talking about it through romans chapter 5 but this is very important for us to understand because justification has huge ramifications for you for me for our spiritual foundation if we're going to have a solid spiritual footing under us everything in our christian life is built on this foundation that we are justified by grace through faith, that we are made right with God because of everything that Jesus did and not because of what we have earned or what we deserve. It impacts how we serve Jesus, how we think about Christ, how we process things in life as followers, of Christ. And so, so, so if we're going to have a healthy understanding of this, this is what Paul's going to begin to unpack. He's going to say, say basically that salvation is experienced in three parts. Salvation, we could say, is experienced in, in, in three parts. And the first part is, if you're taking notes, here's where it begins, justification. And this is what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 4, and he's going to continue talking about through Romans chapter 5. And so we could say justification takes place in a moment when you commit your life to Jesus, maybe in a place like this, you raise your hand, say, hey, I'm in, I'm on. You you communicate with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You surrender to him. In that moment, you're justified. And we're going to unpack what that means. A second experience in the salvation is is sanctification. The second salvation experience is sanctification. If you're a follower of Jesus, this this is the process you're in right now. You're in the process of being sanctified. That means to live life as Jesus would if he were in your shoes. Uh, Paul's going to talk to us about this in Romans chapter 6 uh, through chapter 7. He, here's what 1 John 2.5 says. Uh, it, it says this kind of a, a big statement. He says, if, if this is how we know that we're in him. So some of us, maybe we ask questions from time to time. How do we know like I'm following Jesus? How do I know I'm in Christ? How, how do I know that? He says, this is how we know. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Wow. Like that's a high call, right? But this is a sanctification process. It's it's aiming our life at this target that says, Jesus, if you were in my shoes, how would you behave? If you were in my shoes, how would you respond? If you were facing this situation, if you were in this meeting, if you just saw that social media post, how might you respond? Dallas Willard, a great thought leader, a, a spiritual giant in my eyes. He, he wrote so much on, on the Christian life. And it, you know, I would encourage you, if you see something from Dallas Willard, get, get your hands on it. He has a lot of strong, good stuff to, to, for us to take hold of. But here's a quote from one of his books. He defines discipleship this way. He says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. That's what being a follower of Jesus is. It's, it's setting our sights on this high goal of saying, Jesus, if you were around this dinner table tonight, how would you respond? What would you say? Jesus, if you were on the patio after service and you had that conversation, what would you say? In every situation you place yourself in, the filter is, Jesus, if you were in my, in my place, it's this process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Around here at Central, we say we're imperfect people in progress like like we're not who we want to be, we're not who we used to be, but we're in progress of becoming who who Jesus would be if he were in our our shoes. And so that's part of the sanctification process, part of the salvation process. So these are these are big theological words, but you're a smart group, so I think you're gonna get a hold of these. So justification is the first part. So we could say "I, I was I was saved. Now I'm experiencing salvation, I'm experiencing sanctification, so I'm like in the process of being saved, and there's a a third step, a third thing that we experience when it comes to salvation, glorification. So I was saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved, and Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what we're looking forward to. I I love old timers, they used to phrase it this way, and I just love it, They, they they called this the blessed hope. In the midst of any situation, in the midst of any circumstance, they always clung to this this blessed hope that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Temporary challenges we face on a day-to-day basis are temporary. They will expire, but eternity is real. And just as we we hang on to the promise of salvation that we experienced in the past, the sanctification we're experiencing now, there is going to be a glorification. The, The Bible says this, when we see him, we'll be made like him in a blink, in a twinkle of the eye, we'll be transformed. You're going to get a glorified body to withstand the glorified presence of God. You're going to get a glorified mind to understand things that, that baffled you for years. You're going to get to experience a glorified heaven for a glorified eternity. I mean, this is part of salvation, and it's good. It's good news. Yeah. So we could say, I, I was saved. I'm being saved. I will be saved. And this is what takes place at the moment of salvation. This is what, what seals you. This is the hope. That we have as followers of jesus so uh today this is what paul's going to unpack he's going to talk to us about justification so the question i want to propose is what's the big deal justification what's the big deal why is justification such a big deal how how could we claim this is the bedrock of our faith if you're just exploring the claims of jesus you're not even you're not even a follower of christ yet this is a good sunday because you're going to get a foundation of what's at stake if you don't believe you're going to get a good understanding of whenever what, what took place on the cross and why it's essential a pillar in our Christian faith. And so, so today's going to be a little bit more teachy, not so much preachy, okay? So, so you're going to need to put on thinking caps. It's going to be more of a, more of a teaching Sunday. Here, here's what one scholar, Easton McGee, he defines justification as this. Justification is a forensic term opposed to condemnation. As regards to its nature, it is a judicial act of God by which he pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eyes of the law, i.e., as conformed to all its demands. In addition to the pardon of sin, justification declares that all the claims of the law are satisfied in respect to the justified. Wow. Like, let's just take a time out. Because here's, here's why that's such good news. Because we haven't done that. I haven't done that. I, I, can't, I can't earn this. I can't be declared as if I've kept the law perfectly because I, I'm a broken dude who's, 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 who's broken the law multiple times gloriously. But, but he saved me <laughs> gloriously, right? This is why I often refer to it as radical grace because I don't deserve it. But, but he, at justification, the claims of the law are satisfied with respects to those who have been justified it's awesome it's the act of the judge not self-determining in other words you can't you can't give this label to someone else only the judge can render this verdict the law is not relaxed or set aside but is declared to be fulfilled in the strictest sense and so the person justified is declared to be entitled to the advantages and rewards arising from perfect obedience to the law can you believe it all that is yours Because of the cross, because of Jesus, as if you kept the law perfectly, you're entitled to to that experience. So now, here's the good news. Uh, On the cross, Jesus was was treated like your sins deserve, so now you can live a life and be treated in God's eyes as only Jesus deserves. That's the gospel. Here's the definition that we started working off of when we kicked off Romans chapter 4, and here's what we're going to continue to work off of, uh, a shorter definition justification the act of God whereby he forgives now this is in your notes I would encourage you to circle that word forgives justification the act of God whereby he, he forgives the unsaved person's sin and imputes credits assigns to them the righteousness of Christ when through faith they believe so I would circle that word forgives I would circle those words credits or signs and I would circle that word faith some people have a definition, maybe you've heard this if you've been around church for a while, uh, justification, just as if I never sinned, as a definition. And I would say that's, that's a good elementary understanding of justification, but it's not all-encompassing. I think just as if I never sinned is, is a part of it, and it's a wonderful part of it, but it's probably a third of it, because uh, at justification, he does forgive our sins. He removes our sins as far as the East is from the West, but he doesn't just leave us there. You can be forgiven and not have a relationship with someone. But but now he imputes, he credits the righteousness of Christ to your account. So though your, right, your bank account in, in view of, of righteousness, we're bankrupt. We, we have a debt that I could never repay. But on the cross, at the moment of salvation, when I experience justification, when I surrender my life to God, now he dumps, he credits, he assigns the righteousness of Christ into my account. And so it's not just as if I've never sinned. No, he's given me a gift too great for me to articulate with words. And then, when through faith we believe. So I think faith is a gift too. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. this not from yourself, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. So at the moment of justification, when you surrender your life to God, here's what you experience. You're, You're forgiven, you're assigned the righteousness of Christ, and you're given faith to believe. All this takes place at the moment of justification. So it's a pretty big deal. So, so here, justification, what's the big deal? Here's our first point. Uh, Justification places the emphasis on God in our salvation. Justification places the emphasis on God in our salvation. Ours is the day where we place a high priority on self. How will this help me? How will this help me achieve my dreams? How will this help me move forward in my goals? How, how will this, this, this benefit me in doing so, if we're not careful, uh, will we'll create a God, uh, will diminish God to a tool for self-help. And in our culture today, in, in the church today, there's been a cataclysmic shift in our generation that caters to this mindset. And so you'll hear sermon series, five, five ways to win in life, or three ways to win over your coworker, or, or seven steps to fulfill your purpose. And I'm not saying that those are wrong. I think they have their place, and you've probably heard me preach some series like that. So not the pot, calling the kettle black here. But but the problem is that they're based almost entirely on human need and not the glory and exaltation and the truth of, of God and who he is in our life. And so rather than raising a generation that marvels at the majesty and wonder of God, we've reduced God down to this tool in the toolbox, and then we wonder why our generation wants to leave God there. Because we haven't put God in his proper place. We've placed ourselves in the place of God. And now God's just a character in our story. And that's a dangerous place to be. In previous generations, you, you would never hear teaching like that. Robert Murray McGee, an old school preacher in previous generations, said this, for every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. For every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. But today, truth be told, for us as believers, oftentimes we take 10 look at ourselves for every one look at Christ. We're enamored with ourselves, how we look, how we feel, how it affects us. How does this resonate with me? Do I feel like doing it? Our thoughts, our feelings, seldom asking the question, God, what do you think about this? We've forgotten the words of Jesus in Mark chapter eight, thirty-five. for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. I'm just saying the beautiful thing about justification is it places God back in his rightful place. At the center of our universe, at the center of justification is God. It's all God's doing from beginning to end. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10 says this, saving is all his idea. (laughs) Like I didn't come up with it. It's his idea. And, and, And all his work. So it's his idea. It's his work. Uh, We do all. All we do is, is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role, and this is where we've missed it. I think, if we're honest, in our culture for sure, but even into the church we feel like god's almost a means to help me get where i want to be god's a means of helping me become who who i was created to be god's a means of of, of leading me towards freedom and, and all that's true and wonderful but it's at the main main thrust of it it's all it's all about god and we're not the main character only only jesus is that we don't get to play a major role if we did we'd probably go around bragging about what we've done we've done the whole thing no we neither make or save ourselves both the making God does both the making and the saving. Here's a question. How much did you contribute to your creation? <laughs> Zero. Zero, right? And that's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, you didn't make yourself, and you can't save yourself. Just as much as you contribute to your creation, that's about how much we contribute to our salvation. And that's important for us to understand. It's all, it's all God. Justification places the emphasis back on God. Ephesians 1.3 it says this, how, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the follower of our master, Jesus Christ, who takes us to the high places of blessing in him. In other words, like he has good things for you. Like, like he does have a plan. He does love you. And so let's not, not miss that. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind and settled on us the focus of his love. Listen, if you don't feel like much, let's direct your attention back to scripture before God laid the foundation of the earth, He had us in mind. Like, just let, think about that for a moment. That's awesome. He, he, he had you in mind. He settled on us, us, the focus of His love. That's not because how awesome we are, it really just points to how awesome, how awesome God is. And the plans He set in motion for you before you were born, like, like He's got good things for you. Had us in mind and settled on us the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Listen, his, his plans for you is to make you a whole person. And when we, we center our lives on him, when we focus our lives on him, the broken pieces of our fragmented life all of a sudden start to come back together. When, when we, we go on this journey of saying, Jesus, you're you're it, like we're in we're in this second stage of the salvation process of sanctification. We we try to align our lives to Jesus, like that's when we experience the abundant life, that's when we experience the good life. That's when we come alive in him, to make us whole and holy. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. What pleasure. Almost like a parent or probably more appropriately a grandparent planning Christmas. Like like thinking of the gifts and envisioning their grandkids opening the the, the gifts. And like, like just this exciting moment. They take pleasure in planning that. That's what God's saying. He took pleasure in planning this for you long, long ago. Ephesians 1.8 says, he, he thought of everything. He thought of everything and provided everything we could possibly need. Peter says this, he, he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Like it's all him. Like he's got it. He's got it all under control. Ephesians 1.11 says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Listen, uh, for you to find out what your purpose is in life, it's going to be found as you anchor your life in Christ. You're going to discover who you are and, and what you're living for long before we first heard of Christ or got our hopes up. He had his eyes on us, had designs on us for a glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. He's doing it. He's doing it all. And justification reminds us that it's all, it's really anchored back in, in God. It's his work. And we just get to be a part of it. We're not the star of the show. Jesus is. He's not a part of our redemptive story. No, he, he's, he's doing this redemptive narrative for all of humanity, and we get to be a part of, of what he's doing. We're, we're going to see this next year in Romans 11, after Paul has taught about salvation. He's taught about, about how, first off, you remember if you're with us, how, how all of humanity's under God's wrath. Then he introduces the gospel and, and says, man, you can be, be justified. You go on this journey of sanctification. One day you're going to experience glorification. And he's unpacking all this. And he gets to Romans eleven thirty three, And he like takes a praise break. It's called a doxology. And he says, says, have you ever come to anything quite like this, this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom? It is way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God should ask him for advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Like it's, Paul like goes off. He's like fired up about this. Because justification is so huge. No preacher, no communicator, no matter how eloquent they are, one second into heaven, you're going to say, I've not heard the half. It's so amazing. Justification is a big deal. Justification places the emphasis on God. Second, justification prevents the exercise of works righteousness. Justification prevents the exercise of works righteousness righteousness. If you don't understand justification, if we don't have a healthy understanding of justification, uh, we'll, we'll fall into a trap. And, and for many here in the church, uh, many have fallen into this trap. Many here in the room still are in this, this trap. And the trap is believing that you have the right, right standing with God because of what God did, yes, uh, but also because of what you've done. That, that you, yes, salvation is God's doing, but now I have to work to maintain uh, that, that right standing with, with God. It's a, it's a trap because it diminishes salvation. It says, yeah, Jesus, we, we're thankful for what you did on the cross, but it wasn't quite enough, so now i got to do my part to make sure that I stand in right standing with you. S- justification turns that on its head and says, no, it's all God. Like, like God, God saves you whenever you, you commit your life to him, but, but God's forgiveness in your life was past, present, and, and future, And so it's not about keeping lists anymore. It's not about checking a bunch of boxes. It it can be a trap because it undermines what what God's done. And so, like, for example, tomorrow morning, like, I hope you wake up and read your Bible, spend time in prayer, do devotions with God, and and I I hope you do that. But not so that you can earn right standing with God. I hope you do that because you love God, because you want to grow in your relationship with God. But if you're doing things, if you're giving, if you're showing up to church, if you're, if you're, you're serving, if you're, you're doing devotionals to earn, right, standing with God, then that's a warped understanding of what salvation is and what it's all about. We can't earn it. It's already done. Just a reminder of our, our definition. Justification is the act of God whereby he forgives the unsaved person's sins and then imputes, credits, assigns to them the righteousness of Christ when through faith they believe. So it's a trap to think that we could work to earn, add to that. Like, can you add anything to Christ's righteousness? Uh, The answer would be no. So we're going to rewind a couple verses, then we're going to get to today's verse. So Romans 6 uh, through 8, we talked about these last time we were were in Romans 6. Paul's making this this case saying Abraham was justified uh, through faith. And he talks about David. He says, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from work. So you have right standing with God, not because you've earned it. He says, blessed, in other words, happy many times over, are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And now today's verse 4-9 is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? In other words, is this blessedness, like is, is forgiveness available to those who have, who have done something to earn it or what about people who haven't been circumcised, who haven't done anything to earn it? And Paul's going to use this, this image of circumcision to, to drive home this point. This church in Rome that Paul's writing this letter to, there are Jews in, in the congregation. And so it'd be like in this place, if some of you had a uh, deep Jewish uh, background, you grew up Jewish and you, you, you strive to keep the law, but now you realize there's salvation by grace through faith. And so you put your faith in Jesus. And so in this room, there'd be people saying, yes, it's about what God did in salvation. That's a beautiful thing. We believe that. But you also need to be circumcised if you're going to be made right with God. And in this church, there's, there's people like many of us who are not of Jewish descent. And so there's confusion in the church. What, what's going on? Should I be circumcised in order to be saved? Or, or is, is, is salvation something only God, God does? And so Romans 4, 9 through 10 says, Is the blessedness... That's having our sins forgiven only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised. We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after But before, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but we talked about this a couple weeks ago in Genesis chapter 15, verse six. uh, God appears to Abraham, makes a covenant with him, says, hey, I'm going to bless you Uh, more than the stars. Try to count the stars in the sky. I'm going to make your descendants that that many. Like, it's going to be awesome. And, And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's important for us to understand that men and women in the Old Testament came to God the same way they do in the New, and that's through faith. And so Abraham puts his faith in what God said is true. The Bible says it was credited to him as righteousness, Genesis fifteen six. Now check this out, 14 years later, 14 years later. So God has credited it to him as righteousness. Now 14 years later in Genesis 17, God comes to Abraham with this command of circumcision. So back to Romans four eleven. He received it as a sign. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So I would just suggest that circumcision didn't make Abraham right with God because he received it 14 years later after he was declared righteous, but rather it was a sign, it was a seal of the righteousness that he already had, the right position the right standing before God. Here it is in Genesis 17, verse 9. We'll just read it real quick. Uh, Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep the covenant, you and your descendants after you, for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Here it is. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So circumcision, this outward expression, was a sign of the right standing that Abraham already had. He received 14 years later. Now, we can read through that, or or if some of us, we just skip over, like, oh, he's talking about circumcision again. We're just gonna turn the page or or fast forward through that section. But I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. So God's appeared to Abraham and said, hey, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make you, you're gonna have a lot of kids. At this time, they couldn't have any. Talked about land acquisition, You're going to to conquer this land. It's going to be awesome. Uh, You're going to be blessed. I'm a matter of fact, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be a blessing to the nations. And now 14 years later, God shows up to Abraham. He's like, hey, you know that extra skin on like your private part? Like, I'm going to need you to take a knife and cut that off. He's a grown man. Like, it wasn't like after his birth. He's a grown dude. And you have to imagine Abraham like, What? i I'm sorry, God. I thought you said you wanted me to cut. God's like, yep, that's what I want you to do. Now, I want you to notice that, that, that Abraham didn't come up with a sign. A- Abraham didn't create. He said, hey, I, 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 let's go back to talking land acquisition. Let's go talk, back to talking about how you want to bless me. He said, no, 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 this is a sign. And Abraham, you need to do it. Not only do you do it, you do it for generations to come. He didn't choose the sign. And I think the same is true for us. And I would just submit to you that one of the signs, one of the signals, one of the seals of your salvation, your right standing with God, one of the best next steps you take after being made right with God is going public with your faith and getting baptized. Now, now some of you are like, well, I don't know. I don't want to have my hair wet in public. Listen, Abraham didn't want to do this, right? But it's a sign. It's a seal. It's it's God saying, yeah, like, God, you're the Lord of my life. And because Abraham knew that, he, he understood his position with God. And this is vital for us to understand, because in our day and age, in church culture today, if God came with an ask like that, we'd be like, where's Joel Olstein? I need some self-help right now. Like, how do you want to bless me, right? Like, I love Joel Olstein, by the way. Don't send me any emails on that. He's great. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, like, we, we don't necessarily bend the knee to whatever God asks us to do, when God asks us to do it, unless we want to do it. But Abraham's like, circumcision, okay, I guess we'll do it. I'm in. Baptism, how are you doing in that? Have you been gone public with your faith and gotten baptized? If not, man, today's your day. It's a sign. Does it make you right with God? I wish water could do that. Only the cross can do that. But it is the best next step. And so if you have made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life and you have not been baptized, then I would just say, man, today's the day to do that? Or maybe you just need to self-evaluate. Have you really made that commitment to the Lord? I would say the same is true. Like whenever you give, it's a sign, It doesn't make you right with God. It's a sign that you've been made right with God. You've experienced the radical generosity of God. Now you just want to live a generous life. Whenever you serve, it doesn't make you right with God, but you just understand that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, and you're just trying to live life like Jesus did. It's a sign. When you treat your enemy kindly, when they say harsh things about you, it's a sign to them. When you're kind to people who vote differently than you this week, it'll be a sign to them. I'm just saying, like, like it's a sign. It doesn't make you right. But it's a sign that you have been made right. It's a seal. It's a sign. And that's what Paul's pointing out here. Circumcision did not make Abraham right with God. He was made right with God 14 years prior. But it is a sign. It was a seal of the covenant he made. And I believe there's signs for us to follow as well. So check it out. Romans 4.11. He received this sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Justification prevents works righteousness. It, we have this understanding that God, you're the one who saved me, I can't earn it. But God, I realize, I just got a small glimpse of how wonderful salvation is and I just wanna do whatever you want me to do. It's all about you and I'm just trying to follow in those footsteps. Third and final point, uh, justification promotes evangelism of all people. Justification, and understanding of justification will, will promote the evangelism of all people, helping all people understand the good news. Here it is, Romans 4.11. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Who, who is this for? What's the purpose of this? It's, it's, it's making Abraham the father of all, all who believe. And so, so, so Paul's saying, like, hey, not only does, is justification available, justification's possible, for Jewish people yes but for Gentile people yes its salvation's available for all all people Genesis 12:3 uh, says this all the families of earth will be blessed through you talking to Abraham all the families of the earth will be blessed through you salvation's for all people justification is not for is not only for everyone it's possible uh, for everyone because of of justification. So justification is the act of God, one more time, whereby he forgives the unsaved person's sins and imputes, he credits, he assigns to them the righteousness of Christ when through faith they believe. Paul's going to go to this place in, in Romans 10, he, he's going to get to this place after, as he unpacks salvation, he's like, how, how can everyone, how can people be saved, how can everyone everywhere be saved? He says this in 10.13, in he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's it for? everyone everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they call on the one whom they've not believed and how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can they preach unless they're sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news now why did Paul travel the known world to share this message of justification this message of salvation was it so that he could earn right standing with God no like as you read Paul's story like he's tried that He's done his best, like, God, I'm trying to please you. And, and it kept falling up short. And then he gets, has this encounter with Jesus, and it revolutionizes his life. And he goes from, from killing Christians and persecuting the church to helping people find and follow Jesus. It's this beautiful story, but he gets an understanding of justification, and it launches him on this mission. i got to tell everyone I know. i got to start more churches so more people can know the radical grace, the good news about Jesus. Why did people who sat in the pews that you're sitting in right now leave the comfort and the climate of California to go to Tanzania? Why did they leave this space where you're sitting right now and move to Chile? Why did they leave this place and go to Kurdistan? Why did they leave this room and, and launch to Indonesia? Because they had this understanding. That they said, man, if this I've heard the best news I've ever heard, and I've got to tell somebody. The understanding of justification compels us to say, this can't just be for me. I've got to share the good news with everyone. I know everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 4, 11 through 12, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So the righteous, righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith as our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So in other words, God's the God of people who aren't just part of the Abrahamic covenant. Not just, he, he doesn't ostracize people outside of the Abrahamic covenant, but he is the God of everyone that will follow the footsteps of faith that Abraham had. Remember that? He was justified. He, he was declared righteous through faith when he believed. You understand justification, Justification is not just as if I've never sinned. That's a part of it, yes. But there's so much more than that. It's not just him removing our sins as far as the east is from the west, as though that's a beautiful thing. But it's this confidence that we can, as the old hymn said, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless, we can stand before the throne. How can we do that? Because it's not my own righteousness. Righteousness has been imputed. Righteousness has been credited to my account. when through faith. We believe in closing, I got three questions, three questions for you. The first question is this, is your Christian faith about you or about God? Is your Christian faith about you? Like, are you here? So God, God, I need this. So I'm I'm here because I need you to bless me. I need you to give me this. God, I need this. Listen, does God want to help you? Yes. When you surrender your life to him and follow him and and put into practice God's word, does he show up in ways that you never thought possible? 100% yes. But, but if the only reason you're, you're here, the only reason you're following God is because of what you'll get from it, it's just something to evaluate. Is your Christian life all about you or is God at the center of, of it all? Second question, are, are you resting in his righteousness alone? Are you resting in his righteousness alone? Are, are you resting in the fact that, God, there's nothing I could do to save myself. Just as whenever I surrendered to you, there was nothing I could do to save myself, God, now years later, after following you, I realize the same is true. I'm just saved by grace through faith in you. Now, God, you call me to do some things. You want me to take steps of obedience, yes, but it's not so I can earn my salvation. I'm resting in the fact that that's already been accomplished on the cross. I rest in his righteousness alone. Some of us, we need to educate our conscience when it comes to this. Because the enemy would love to trip you up. So whenever you sin, when you make a mistake, the enemy would love to keep you underfoot and saying, you know what, you, you, yeah, God forgave you, but now look what you did. Now, now, now you've blown it. Now you think God's gonna hear your prayers? Now you think God's gonna listen to you? Now you think God still cares about you? Do you realize what you've done? Listen, remind the enemy, it was never about what I could do or not do. It was always about his radical grace. It was always about his mercy. It was always about his love. On the cross, your sins, past, present, and future, were nailed, Jesus took the punishment for your sin, nailed to the cross, so you carry the shame no more. And now, God treats you as only Jesus deserves. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed, credited to your account. You can't exhaust it, it doesn't run out, it's an infinite supply. Are you resting in that righteousness? And then third and final question, are you living on mission to share the gospel with all people? Do you have a drive that says, man, I've heard the best news humanity's ever witnessed and I just gotta tell some people. I gotta tell my family. This dude I've been working with, man, he's gotta know. He doesn't have to keep beating himself up anymore. There's justification that's available to everyone. I don't want to be unkind, but I do want to be clear. If you don't have a heart that says, I want everyone to hear the gospel. If you don't have a heart that says, man, I want everyone to hear the good news, then maybe you don't have an understanding of how good the news is. And I would just invite you to explore that. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says this, examine yourselves examine yourselves this is a moment of examination examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith test yourselves listen if if christianity is all about you examine yourself if you're not resting in what jesus christ did alone for your salvation just examine that if you don't have a heart that says i want everyone everywhere to come to a saving relationship with jesus because that's the heart of the father so now as a follower of, of, of him, I, it's my heart too. If that's not the case, I invite you to examine yourself. And if you find that, man, that's not true for me, maybe I am outside the faith, then today can be the day of salvation. Now can be the moment you transfer from death to life. Today can be the moment in this room where you leave your sin, your shame or your past. You embrace that by faith because of what jesus did on the cross you can walk out of this place justified in the eyes of god having the the righteousness of christ clothed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne how do you experience that well here's what we've been studying in romans romans 3 23 it reminds us that all of us are guilty all of us have sinned and sin separates us from god so so all of us, all humanity is worthy of God's wrath because we've, we've sinned, we've missed the mark. Romans 3.10 says this, it goes on to say that, that there's, there's no one righteous, not even one. So like no one on earth today can have right standing with God in and of themselves. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, in other words, the result of every, every sin you've ever committed, just one of them, the wages of that, the result of that is death, a physical death, yes, but an eternal death separated from the presence of God. All the good things you experience in life today is a gift from God. There's coming a day when all that will be removed. And the result of sin is death, not just physical death, but eternal death. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's good news. There's a gift available to you today. Yeah, that's good. And it says this, 1013, we read it earlier, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but you gotta call. You you gotta respond. Your your parents can't do that for you. Your grandparents can't do that for you. Your buddy who invited you can't do that for you. Your kids can't do that for you. Everyone, that includes you. You can experience salvation. You can have forgiveness. You can have Christ's righteousness imputed to your account because I believe God's working in your heart right now, giving you the faith to believe.